Hello, welcome to Great Hearts Table. I'm Randy Greenwald, your host. And as many of you know, I've been riffing on the pastoral themes arising from a study of the life and ministry of the 20th century London pastor John Stott. Continuing that then, in this episode, we consider the matter of change. It was early in my ministry when I realized a couple of related things. First, that just about everything I did as a pastor involved change somehow in people's lives. And secondly, that I didn't really have a very well thought out theory of change. That is, my theology of sanctification was not well formed. When I get that straight, it's sweet. But when I don't, it's like doing surgery with a table knife. It's not a pretty sight. Love to hear what you think. Thanks for joining us around Great Hearts Table. I recently noticed that my preaching had become preachy. That may sound nonsensical to some of you, but to me it was unsettling. My understanding of how people change had drifted off-center, which is no small thing. Such a drift is so concerning that, as chronicled by Tim Chester in his book John Stott on the Christian Life, it led Stott to publicly challenge one of the most popular Christian movements of his day. Uh, Change is the world pastors live in. We deal with those in our churches who need to change but won't, and we deal with those who want to change but can't. We have some seeking quick, easy, or new ways of finding an experience of God, and others resisting any experience of God that goes beyond their current comfort level. And all of these are anchored in place by a type of inertia that resists change altogether. Uh, There are long-standing, classical ways of understanding how people change, and there are novel theories that arise from time to time. Among the latter was the Keswick movement, which had come into its own during Stott's ministry. Born of the noble desire to lead people into a deep and fruitful Christian walk, it came to embody a particular theology of sanctification that Stott and others found not only biblically aberrant, but pastorally damaging. When he addressed this issue at the Keswick Convention in 1965, he made both points directly and with lasting impact. What's striking to me is Stott's urgency in challenging Keswick teaching. For him, the matter of sanctification was not simply a theological question, as much as it was a deeply critical pastoral concern. That our error isn't Keswick's error does not make it any less of a concern. A mistaken understanding of how Christians change can lead Christians to despair, to bondage, or to licentiousness. And yes, it can lead preachers to grow preachy. And I don't believe I'm alone in this. When I meet an object that will not move, like a rusty bolt or an unresponsive congregant, my impulse is to apply more force. When I push and pound and sweat and yell, I feel like I'm actually doing something, but I may only be wearing away the points of connection and making further efforts even more fruitless. 
A classical view of sanctification applied to the pulpit encourages the preacher to drive his listeners out of themselves with a view to drawing them to Christ. The goal is to draw and to woo, not to push. Force is not at issue, but the exalting of Christ is. People will only be motivated to change when they are given one whom they can follow with affection, not fear. And only the Holy Spirit can enable them to see the one we present. To draw people to Christ in such a way that encourages a long obedience in the same direction, as Eugene Peterson so helpfully put it, is a long, patient, pastoral slog. Other paths promise quicker results and thereby become seductive, but only this bears the Spirit's promise. I know all of this, but when I stop at Chick-fil-A, I, like everyone else, including the 112 summer campers who have just disembarked from their buses minutes before I show up, want my food sooner rather than later, and when it's slow in coming, I grow antsy and look for someone to blame. Preachers blame their listeners when change is slow. The temperature of their sermons rise. They push and scold, all of which may make a preacher feel better, but it doesn't make the food come any faster. And in fact, it may do harm. An off-center doctrine of sanctification merged with an impatient preacher is a toxic combination which needs to be challenged. Dr. Paul Koistra, over 30 years ago, while president of Covenant Theological Seminary, prepared a paper on sanctification for the seminary board. In it, he noted the way in which preaching, when wed to an unhealthy view of sanctification, can become preachy. Often those who are young in the ministry, he said, become discouraged because their preaching seems to fall on such deaf ears. At first, only frustration begins to appear in their words from the pulpit, but after a while one can sense words of anger and hostility as they try to push their people closer to conformity with God and His great law. Discouragement and frustration can infect the veteran preacher as well. We grow preachy when we forget that sanctification arises from the gospel of grace that draws people into loving obedience empowered by the Holy Spirit. Stott publicly battled an aberrant view of sanctification. We battle an internal one. To battle our inward view is critical, lest we become hurried and harried surgeons, using a table knife to remove an infectious growth. That may work after a fashion, but at great risk to our patience, the sheep of God's pasture. Great Hearts Table is published on the first, second, and fourth Mondays of each month in both audio and print format. Thanks to Over the Rhine for permission to use their wonderful songs, All My Favorite People, and Called Home. And thanks to you for listening. I am Randy Greenwald, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. Just shy of breaking down, there's a bend in the road that I have found called home. Take a left at loneliness, there's a place to find forgiveness called home.